The object of golf is not just to win. It is to play like a gentleman and win. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Bob Squad Podcast. I'm Jerry Lou, Smitty Smith, Smith Smitty. Matt Smith is with me. What's up, buddy? How much, man? What's up? How's your quesadilla? Did I uh, did I jump on you too fast there? <laughs> My quesadilla? No, I'm eating wine gums. I'm eating wine oh, gums. Right? Oh, oh, which means you're going to keep eating them as we go. I, for, I, I thought you were kidding I only have two left. I have two left. So I apologize to all of our listeners if they can hear me chomping away. All right, well, take it, e- take it easy there, Mr. CBD Oil. We are recording on the Wednesday after the PGA Championship. And first and foremost, I want to say, without mentioning any headlines in terms of politics or worldwide news, Smitty, have you played some golf lately? I have, and it was glorious. It was real, and those two was, rounds were glorious. It was real. <laughs> you played yeah. basketball. <laughs> yeah, so uh, golf is no longer illegal in Ontario, along with other uh, socially distanced uh, outdoor activities, such as Walking I, I, could, I, I could care less what the others are, because uh, golf is back. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, so ended up, uh, Monday was a holiday, it was like our Memorial Day, basically. I know you guys have it coming up this weekend, um, shout out to all our south of the border listeners but uh north of the border here we had victoria day he's talking uh, which, about mexico mi amigos mexico oh sorry which apparently pays tribute to some monarchy from the great isles of britain or something i don't know uh anyways yeah played a couple of rounds of golf shot even par 71 last night on men's league super windy rough is super thick here we're in that like growth stage of uh of the grassy I, I don't know. I'm not an agronomist, but yeah, let's just say rain plus lots of sun early in the season growth, the rough it's, it's nasty. So, so yeah, I'm just happy to be out there completely burnt. Great. Forgot a hat, forgot suntan lotion on my first round, just got roasted like a lobster. But other than that, living the dream, man, what about That's you? Cool. I, uh, well, Jesus Pete, I've been working so much that, uh, when people golfers ask me like, Hey, you, you going to play much? I'm just like, hell no. Like I take one or two random days off a week and maybe one of those two random days I get to play golf, but um, we're recording on Wednesday, the Saturday, which was this last Saturday, which was third round of the DJ championship. We had our Bobby Memorial tournament. That's right. That's right. And yeah, that was, that was an interesting day. I didn't get to enjoy it thoroughly because like I said, I'm acting leader of the club right now, which is really difficult and stressful and I don't enjoy it. Uh, but I was there at two in the morning of the tournament to put the pig on the fire as we saw from pictures on Twitter at Jerry Lou Looper is my Twitter account. <clears throat> if you're one of the few people like Mr. Sheehan who found the show before the found us on Twitter. Thank you, Nick. Um, and thank you to all the newest, li- the new listeners. We're getting new and new listeners that I'm just meeting personally every week. I'm just telling random people, Hey, I have a podcast and people are interested. So thank you. If I don't get all your names, it's because, well, you know, the saying all us, all you golfers look alike. So um, I uh, played in the tournament. We played well. Lots of caddies turned out. Uh, we had an 18 foursome cap because it was nine holes, two teams on each uh, group uh, on, on, on each tee box playing together in a four person scramble. Uh, I don't mind sharing the numbers because I don't know all of them, but I mean, uh, Bobby's family hasn't had anything happen like this before. And I was just in the pro shop taking in every, everyone's uh, registration fees and 
we had at least $3,000 come in cash just from out of pocket. And most of it, I'll admit, and as my superintendent told me, we got to get them caddies out here to, to the Elks Club because they're rich and they like to throw money around, don't you think? I'm like, yes, Dale, you're absolutely right. And sure as shit, like my buddy, uh, Scott Bones, like when he came in, he's like, hey, what do we do for donations? Like, where do we, he's like a surfer dude, but he's just a stoner golfer. He's like, what do we do for scratch, by the way? What do you do for donations? Where do we put them? Uh, and I said, here, right here in this envelope. And he just like throws 300 bucks on the table. His entry fee was $40 and he just drops $300 on the table. I don't mind saying stuff like that. Cause just from that room alone, we raised over $3,000. Uh, the pig was good. I assume because I didn't get to eat any of it. <clears throat> uh, when we got in at about four o'clock, much as the custom out at the Elks club to play golf after a tournament, you get like 12 people together and we have the course for ourselves and we just play in a big 12 some and just horse around, screw around, play five holes, play nine holes, who cares? So I played more golf. And from about 5 p.m. on, I don't remember anything except going back and looking at my text. I told Jennifer at 9.45, hey, I'm done, I'm heading home, and everything turned out okay. But uh, yeah, we're not advocating uh, anything uh, illegal per se, but at the same time, I had responsibilities to take care of, and I had to water myself down and hose myself off. But the tournament went very well. Um, I think the winning score was something like 13 under or something. The next winning score was like nine under. And that's not bad for par 66, tiny little course that a lot of these beginning caddy coworkers of mine have never seen before. Uh, but that being said, yeah, playing golf, I'm taking tomorrow off. Uh, so I can actually like mow the goddamn yard. Um, maybe go to the hardware store. You know, I got to run to the bank today. Finally, that was nice. Um, Red going, to bed, going to bed, bath and beyond. If you have enough time or I don't know if I'll have enough time. Uh, but I am, our men's league is tomorrow night at 5 p.m. West Coast time. And I would, I have no reason but not to partake in that. And then the grind is back on. I have 18 holes on Friday to caddy and then 36, 36, 36. It has been regular 13 hour days. I have, uh, let me put it this way. I'm like stopping, I'm starting to shop for expensive putters. Like I'm starting to, uh, I'm, I've, I've paid off a lot of rent. I'm not bragging folks, but I mean, come on down. We need caddies, but it's, it's good to be me right now. Cause I know the wife makes a good amount of money, but she, she's a good little American and pays all her bills and she's got a shit ton of student debt brother. Let me tell you what, but anyways, um, at, like I, I just paid for our hotel for San Diego. And this is why I asked you a question. We'll just get into it right now. Smitty, before we get into the PJ championship, because this is pretty much the only thing that uh, is not related, but I asked you earlier and you might've saw my poll on Twitter earlier. I don't know if you saw it, but I asked you of all the things that we want to talk about in the episode, folks, I texted him uh, all the bulls. And one of them I said was Spyglass Hill versus Spanish Bay. If you got to play one of those two courses, Smitty, what would it be? And give me a little reason out of Spyglass Hill or Spanish Bay in Monterey, California, United States of America, Earth. So I, I just did a quick Google Earth of uh, Spanish Bay because I, I don't know anything about the of Spanish Bay. It's, um, in it's in California. It's not in Mexico or Spain, as the name would suggest. It is just north of uh, Monterey Peninsula Country Club. So it's, you know, five minutes north of Cypress Point. It's, it's one of the Pebble Beach Resort-owned um, courses. Um, I think it depends what you're looking for and maybe who you're playing with. You know, Spyglass is a, is a staple on the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach Rota, um, also known as the most difficult course on the PGA Tour, uh, notwithstanding the, uh, the majors. But uh, I, I'm looking at it. That course is inland. It, it's beautiful. Um, but it looks like Spanish Bay is like right on the ocean and probably has beautiful views. So if I'm just looking to have a good time, I'm on vacation. 
I really just want to have like a chill around, have some beers, nice walk. I, I think I'd have to go Spanish Bay by the looks of things. It's interesting. I asked my golfers today because I caddy, I finished caddying for a group from LA Country Club, Smitty. Finally, they got up here. These MFers, I always thought they would be big wigs enough that they'd be like, yeah, we do a yearly banding trip. No, they're so busy and fractured. Plus, they have 900 golfing members. That's humongous. And I know everything about all the other clubs around LA, but not LA Country Club. Like, I finally got to know these guys and I was gushing a little bit. I was just like, oh, finally, I'm friends with you guys. Like, I got me and the wife are invited to go down to LA country club. Like we might do it sometime uh, in a couple of weeks when we're down there in June, we don't know, but they said that Spanish Bay, it feels like a resort course, which I don't know what that means, but they said it, it plays a little easier and spyglass plays a lot tougher. I asked because on said trip that I'm taking down to San Diego with Jennifer, we are going on the way back up. And two days ago, she said on the way back up, we have a chance to play one of the Monterey courses and ice froze in my veins. Cause I, I know that can mean one of like potentially five or six things, but they're all really cool. But she said that uh, we could play at either Spyglass Hill or Spanish Bay. And I just chippily said right away, well, what, what's wrong with Pebble? Like, I mean, how come those two are on the list and not Pebble? I'm just curious. Or, or Cypress really... while, you, while you're there. Oh, shut up. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> I didn't even think about that. My God. Anyways. Um, but Pebble, I'm not interested in a six-hour round for something that I've seen a million times on TV and a million times on a video game. And honestly, I'm really afraid, Smitty, this might be a bad take. It's just a personal take. I'm afraid if I ever play Pebble, I'm not going to like it or I'm going to be wildly underwhelmed. That's all. And most guys I know say, yeah, the first five holes are nothing and the rest of the course is great. But Spyglass Hill, ever since I was a little kid, I always watched it on TV and played that in video games. I'm like, oh, this course looks pretty damn cool. And Spanish Bay, I know nothing about. The prices are kind of mm, spyglass sales a little bit more. We're, we're going to be paying a lot of money for this. I'm, we're not, this isn't Jerry's $50 under send some emails or make some phone calls specials. Like I think we're paying like 290 bucks a head, maybe to play 18 holes. But that being said, spyglass sales caddies. I intend on getting us a caddy. And what I really want to do is I, I want that. I'm going to pay the caddy like a ridiculous amount. Like just like, just once exorbitant. Like I've never paid for a caddy before, except for like training these little shits at Band of Dunes which you know, I only do it because other guys do it in the group. Ugh. Anyways, <clears throat> long story boring. I want this guy, the, our caddy to freak out when he hears, it's like, oh, so what do you do for a living? It's like, oh, I'm a caddy. So he's just like, what in the hell am I going to get paid? Because I don't know if a caddy has ever gone to a caddy before. I know I would freeze. Yeah, I mean, but then again, if I got a caddy and he got a caddy somewhere, then I, that's a lot of words. If I was caddying for a caddy and he chose to pay for me, he, I would assume, honestly, like like a shooting star, I'd be like, well, this guy better be paying me a lot because he, he knows what's up and he's good at carrying a bag. So he could have done it himself and saved money. So I, whoever, if God forbid in the future, in a couple of weeks, whoever's listening to this, who might be a spyglass deal caddy, you're going to get paid a lot for take, uh, hiking me and the wife around. Because the one of the guys said spyglass is tough. Like, who are you going with? How, how is your game? And I'm like, well, if you round up my handicap, it's a seven. She's a registered 12, but plays like a 10 easily. And he's just like, oh, you guys are going to be fine there. It's no big deal. So I'm, and, and I ran a Twitter poll. I wanted to bring it up right now uh, just because it's, it's a funny poll. It's got a, well, it went up 1% for Spyglass, but after 146 votes and only being up not even six hours, Spyglass still is winning 84% compared to Spanish Bay. I think, I, I, I think we have our answer. <laughs> yeah. I, and I wonder if it's just because like people, obviously they know probably of spyglass just because it's every year it's on that road up but I, hey if you can i would say play both uh-huh no we're not doing that no sorry i've i've already 
chilled out enough for other hotels just to make sure we can stay in one place in San Diego and not have to futz around with other things. So Papa Lou's doing good and I'm not doing any more than that good. So sorry, folks, for the deviation. That was my question about Spyglass versus Spanish Bay. If you want to chime in at any time, you know where to find me on Twitter at Jerry Lou Looper. You know where to find Smitty at Bomb Squad. Matt, the B is silent in uh, the second B in Bomb Squad. It's silent. Bomb. Bomb. I, I'm going to say Bomb Squad. Bomba? Bomba Squad? No, no, don't, don't confuse people. <laughs> Anyways, so because nobody's, uh, other than people coming up to me randomly saying, I like your show, I get no feedback. So, anyways. Uh, let's get on to the PGA a championship. Oh, but first and foremost, who said the quote? Should I say the quote again? No, no. Uh, something about be a gentleman. Something about win. Uh, Bobby Jones. <laughs> well, or Byron so Nelson. What, so what happened? The uh, things aren't loading very quickly, but I got it right here. The quote was: "The object of golf is not just to win; it is to play like a gentleman and win." Phil Mickelson, <laughs> our third PGA Championship winner, Phil Mickelson, at the age of 50, who gives a shit, uh, becoming the oldest player to win a major. But in, an, in a day and age where, given we know the regime of his uh, dietary coffee supplements, and clearly he is, he is getting skinnier right in front of us just because he, he wants to live longer, not because he looked like a pile of crap. But ultimately... Phil, uh, I think it's not fair. Well, not not that it's not fair. He's a different kind of 50, right, Smitty? I mean, he's, uh, I was on the record a couple of years ago, like looking at his swing going like, oh, I don't know how he's going to keep up. Like he needs to figure something out or hit the ball better because he's not doing anything different to his swing and he's getting older. So what are your thoughts on our uh, six-time major champion, potential top 10 golfer all time, Philip Alfred Mickelson? Did you know his middle yeah. name by the way? Yeah, I did. Only because there's a lot of a uh, lot of middle names flying all over uh, Twitter on what, the weekend. Your dog park? Oh, Twitter. Got it. Don't have the puppy yet. Couple more weeks. Two or three more weeks. Here. Right. But uh, uh, yeah, it was. I would say an extremely entertaining week. If if you were just straight a golf fan, um, strictly watching for pure entertainment between the course, um, how it was set up between the conditions and ultimately the actual competition. It, it was just a, a wonderful week of watching golf. Um, and I, I've probably said on record probably multiple times, I I'm not, a, I've, I've never been a huge Phil fan. Um, obviously you've got to respect the guy's game, right? He's like you said, probably a top Big 10 jam. golfer of all time. Big jam. 40, 44, 45 PGA Tour victories now, six majors, a very exclusive group joining uh, Trevino and I believe Faldo. Um, and, and just the way, you know, when, when Phil's leading, and, and this was a slogan from years ago that the PGA Tour and their marketing would do, it was like, what would Phil do next? Like, where's this next shot going? There's trouble everywhere at the ocean course. So it's always like, okay. When's he going to blow up? When's he finally going to blow up and fade away? Like, when's he going to have a bad round? It just never happened. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to be able to work from home last week. Uh, watched a lot of golf. There's great coverage um, between TSN here, which is our uh, basically Canadian version of ESPN. Uh, so I had 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. coverage every day so basically saw every group uh no matter when they played morning or afternoon but uh just a, a great week of golf if you didn't like that as a golf fan uh hang it up go watch paint dry or croquet or something i don't know what to tell you 
Well, there's we got a few <clears throat> a few Twitter questions we can weave in and out here. A couple comments. It was kind of paltry, which I'm surprised at, but maybe everyone's hungover from the PGA Championship and a lot of fildom and another video that resurfaced and then disappeared that we'll talk about in a moment. But from <clears throat> oh dang, they changed their name. It's at, uh, Maintenance Barn at Maintenance Barn. It used to be Maintenance Barn takes whatever, but uh, they said uh, Phil's Twitter bombs are the only bomb related topics I, topics I'd like to hear. Thanks. I know why they I know why they said that because I said where's all the snark boom thank you but pretty funny that I did notice Phil is always going to be the people's champion for zillions of reasons like he is only going to be second to Arnold Palmer even though those guys are cut from the same cloth they are different material and that being said Phil giving his ball to the kid on number five in the uh, wheelchair. Do you see that? Uh, like after he hold out from the bunker in the midst yeah. of the PJ championship. I mean, this, he doesn't deviate from who he is. I mean, he, and, 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 and it's not that like on one hand, I want to give him a little bit like the William Shatner quality where it's like, I think Phil, I know Phil personally, he knows he's a little bit of a ham. Like I, I, I heard a couple of guys this week that I don't know him personally said who played golf in the college said he'll, he'd walk into the, well, you probably heard this story before he'll walk into the locker room while everyone's in there and look in the mirror and just uh, look in the mirror and just be like, God damn it. It's so great to be me. And and it'll say it like half jokingly, but half in earnest where it's just like, yeah, the dude, he, he is Iceman from Top Gun or Maverick for that regard, or both put together where, or like they said, a money ball when he, his dick walks into the room 10 minutes before he does that's Phil Mickelson, baby, except he's a really fun, jovial, cool guy. And I don't really see anyone really hating on him. I mean, uh, most of the people who were calling him old that got derailed really quick because it's like, well, I'm 55 and he's representing me and I'm not old, but yada, yada, yada. But I mean, I don't think the age really factors in dog. Like, I mean, if we really think Tiger's got another one in him, especially Phil one, I mean, who's to say, I mean, who's whatever, but um, I want to go back real quick when it comes to our, our picks, we have to address that really quick. I went with my head and my heart, Jordan Spieth. Uh, he didn't do bad, but I mean, he, he, he tugged on my short and curlies just enough after Friday and just early enough on Saturday that it, it, I thought I had a chance, but it really didn't until things really got underway with Phil, like in the driver's seat, like it, it seemed like everyone did have a chance and let's just pretend Phil Mixon wasn't in this tournament. It would have been wildly exciting. Would it not? I mean, how close everyone could have been. Yeah. Um, it was, it was kind of awkward to watch Jordan play. Um, you look well, at his stats. Jordan play. It's like I get nervous watching Jordan play. I mean, you look at his stats. So T to Green, he gained two shots on the field, um, which ranked him in that stat about twelfth. So twelfth overall in basically ball striking. So had a great weekend. Um, uh, basically T to Green, but putting lost over a half a stroke to the field, which was definitely bottom half again. So after the Masters and after the PGA, where he had two terrible putting rounds and at the Byron Nelson, um, where he started with a first round 63 and a fading, he said he really didn't putt the ball that well. But if you actually watch his rounds, a ton of, of, of basically burnt edges just was around the hole. And then he mixed in some ill-timed three putts uh, and not those long. He had a couple of those long three putts, you know, those 60, 70 footers, um, but even a couple from that 20 to 30 foot range, which is very unspeed like you'll say, um, especially the way he dies in those putts. Usually, you know, he's dying in those 20, those 30, 40 footers, but uh it just uh, maybe he's in a little bit of a rut. You know, he's got his, his long game back, which means, you know, he'll be probably in contention a little more. So he's uh, those guys that putt really well, uh, leading the pack and putting through four days, 
was Justin Rose. Uh, and, and really, if he didn't hit the ball so poorly, because really, we never really saw much of Justin Rose. Um, but yeah, it was just a very interesting week. Uh, my dark horse was, was Schwartzel. Uh, he ended up at plus 11, didn't even sniff the cut. So that wasn't good. I ended up picking a, a South African that did not play well. Meanwhile, there was like five of them at the top of the leaderboard at any given time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, 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 it was interesting too. You know, the course setup was, was very interesting. Um, you know, I watched early coverage on Friday after Corey Connors, shout out Canada's Corey Connors, Listowel, Ontario, uh, known for the thickest rough in North America, uh, this week only, but, uh, yeah, after a great five under, uh, 67 on Thursday, uh, I ended up watching him on Friday morning. You know, the course was soft. It was gettable and it great coverage too. You had Duval, you had, um, uh, was it Curtis Strange doing some of the, and then SVP, uh, Scott Van Pelt doing the ESPN coverage. I thought they were great. And they were actually kind of taken aback on Friday morning talking about, wow, the course is playing really soft. Like maybe this is the day guys get after it. The wind was down in the morning, but Friday afternoon, the wind was up. The conditions were much tougher and that's why. So the PGA, I think they did an excellent job setting up the course and it really because of the conditions and wind um, and obviously the length, interestingly, a very mixed leaderboard, a lot of different types of games up there. Guys known for certain things, uh, you know, putting and short game guys known better for driving the golf ball. Uh, it was just very interesting to see the final makeup of the leaderboard. But uh, what were your thoughts on the course? <clears throat> well, it, it was, I didn't get to watch enough of it. I watched um, as much as I could leading up to about when the final groups teed off on Sunday. I was watching on the app, which redirected me to CBS, which seemed to be pretty painless through my Safari app. It actually turned out pretty okay. I've been doing a lot of stuff on the go. When I leave Wi-Fi, I just let it keep running, and it seems to work fine, save for some dead spots around here. So, I mean, coverage-wise, I have nothing to complain about. I mean, I never do. But um, I didn't get – this was – Kiowa, like I said, is one of my top five courses where I want to watch people play. Like, I want to go there. I want to play everything so all that being said i i thought the course played great remember we uh i did say that um spieth would win if not be an international well i mean anything i say comes to opposite fruition clearly because we didn't have that happen we did have a lot of internationals up there but i want to you mentioned something about conditions and the wind what did you think about the wind shift because on one hand remember how it shifted from saturday to sunday i mm -hmm. thought especially considering the early rounds on Sunday, I thought, oh my goodness, is everyone going to light this course up? I don't know if that really factored in, but what are your thoughts on how the wind, because as you know, with where I work at my resort, the wind can be dastardly one way or the other, but if you're like have north wind all day or like like for three days and all of a sudden it shifts to the south, if you have <clears throat> a steady head, you can take advantage of that and really slaughter the field. So, I mean, what, what's your take on the wind shift to Kiowa this week? Yeah, it was, it, I found it very interesting. And, shouting, and the, shouting, out, uh, shouting out back to a friend of ours who asked before in our preview, uh, Alex from the Course Life podcast, because he said, teach us the ways of the wind out there. And I was just kind of like, okay, we'll see. Well, here's something we can actually talk about a little bit, right? Yeah, it, you know, and again, I think ESPN, uh, they did an awesome job talking about 
uh, definitely the routing. So it, it was a figure eight. So holes one through four went out, five, I believe, is a par three, and then six through 13 run back down the shore. So you come back to the clubhouse and back out away from it. And then 14, the par three at the other extreme opposite end, and then 15 through 18 back to the clubhouse. So it's it basically like a very long, stretched out figure eight. And it's, it's what very, very late style and old fashioned to me. I mean, I want to say, Saint absolutely. Andrews. Their courses over there are very simple, like that. Absolutely. So instead of being you go out, out and, you and come in, folks, that's what's yeah, on the so, yeah. So instead of going all the way out nine holes and all the way back, it's go out and back to nine and out and back to eighteen. So when you have that single wind direction for three days, you know the course is set up as uh, basically you set up for that wind direction. So you've got different pins that are accessible from only certain spots. Um, and then when it shifted on Sunday, it was very interesting to see. And, and again, CBS and, and ESPN did a great job. They had a graphic of, you know, when the holes are playing downwind, you know, they were 20 or 40 under par and the holes against the wind were something like 400 over par, which was it, it, just one of those eye opening jaw-dropping statistics where it really showed how a course can play different so for those first three days you know you had the, the very tough uh, 17th hole that finishing stretch uh you had 13 where uh phil hit it in the water on saturday when he had his big lead and kind of came back to the field um playing completely different on sunday and that and that finishing stretch, especially 17, 18 being downwind, uh, we saw some different shots. So maybe it played a little bit easier. Obviously it did. The stats will show that. But I thought just as challenging as an overall, just because of the way the course was routed. And I think it was kind of genius that way. And that, uh, you know, you mentioned at your resort, the wind, you know, those holes were, a lot of those courses were designed for the different winds, either coming from the north or coming from the south. I, I, I think of old Mac, right? It, it's it's wide open, it's windy. So some of the tougher holes, depending like on the on the scorecard, when they're played in the normal wind, are, are tough. And um, but then they play extremely easy when the wind switches, and the opposite happens. So a lot of those shorter, tighter holes into the wind played very difficult. But uh, overall, I thought you know the weather was outstanding. I thought. ESPN and uh, CBS with their graphics as well. It had this really cool thing where when the, especially when they're on the tee box, there's a little like basically compass uh, at the feet of the players showing the wind direction. And they even had uh, the graphics showing the wind directions of the previous rounds and at different times of the day. So I thought that was really cool and unique, which we hadn't seen before, which was, was very mm -hmm. unique, especially to the ocean course because of the elements involved there. Correct. And I, I enjoyed all that too. I don't like seeing, well, I, I take that back. Seeing extra graphics like that to me is simple bullshit. If you were able to do one pro trudge or whatever, or however it's called or whatever, it's simple like Microsoft paint or, or just like, I mean, not just that, but I mean, I, I did simple graphic editing before just like, you know, superimposing or whatever. I mean, come on. It's, we, we should have more of that. And it was very significant and special in this tournament because of that which is neat because that's an extra element that's an extra layer maybe that's not going to happen every time so they should should or should not bring it up and what have you uh let's get into the leaderboard right now and leading into the leaderboard our number one fan gary guidus he's not on twitter but gary the american phil Giroux guidus because phil Giroux is canadian you'll have to do that that's a tom green deep dive is, is this paul's brother no, no, but I, you see, I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but I know what you're talking about. Um, Gary, 
uh, I saw him today. I asked him, I was like, Hey, listen, I'm, we're recording today. I, I saw him at the shack. I said, I would like, uh, I forgot what your picks were for the PJ championship. Cause he's an ardent listener and we love Gary. And, uh, we hemmed and hawed and started talking about something else. Uh, maybe it was Landis Morissette. I don't remember some deep cut, but then all of a sudden I get home and I start texting him like mad saying, Hey, I need some info or whatever. Uh, so he said, um, he picked Phil for the masters, not the PGA hashtag lefty love. He's feeling antsy. Well, <clears throat> but then I said, but who'd you pick for the PGA? And he said, Ram Fina Matsuyama Spieth. We are already covered Spieth. We can talk Matsuyama for a second. Uh, Fina, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what? The second I don't talk about him, he's going to win the next tournament. So let's just write him off and, and see him win at Tory. But uh, the only thing I got to say about John Rahm was I saw him in the practice rounds uh, wearing shorts. I think he has a little leg. I thought that was the greatest tweet I ever tweeted. Nobody ever liked it or saw it or read it. I maybe got wiped from the internet. I think John Rahm has a little leg. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I was sitting at the Elks Club in the bar with like 20 other people. And we were sitting there and John Rahm's in the practice round. It was Wednesday, walking along wearing shorts. And it looked like one of his calves was much bigger than the other, like way bigger. Like we're talking maybe even like Casey Martin style, excuse me. But then all of a sudden, like, like when I said it, everyone looked up and they're like, hey, you might be right. I'm like, it's like Rafael Nadal with his arms, except one of them hits the racket and the other uses the racket, the other doesn't. So I thought I had a real good funny with John Rahm. He was otherwise a, non, a nothing burger, much like Daniel Berger. But um, thank you, Gary, for your picks. I had to squeeze them in there. But uh, let's talk about the leaderboard a little bit in terms of, uh, well, I guess first and foremost, because we're going to talk about him a little, in a little bit uh, near the end of the show, let's talk about Brooks Kepka because I texted you right before the final round, and I think so, it was something to the tune of, is it wrong of me to root for Brooks today? I, regardless whether Phil just has five majors and, and he has six now or Brooks got his fifth, I was kind of wanting to see Brooks like start to really climb the ladder and be like, this guy might be a lot, I don't want to say greater, but I mean, think about it, guys. He's got four majors for Pete's sake. I mean, we talk about like the one major winners, the two, the three. Four is an even more rare list. It doesn't matter if two are U.S. Opens and two are PGAs or three are British Opens and ones and Masters. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But ultimately, I was kind of wanting to see Brooks get back to that position of, oh, hey, when the majors are on, you can't take your eye off him. Like he is that guy who when, he, when the putter starts rolling – Another thing we're going to talk about later. <laughs> when, when, he, when he starts getting on a roll, Brooks Kepka is a sneaky, scary player. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to compare to like Tiger S because Tiger was either like, you know, not way behind and then coming from behind or way in the lead. But Brooks was always that guy, much like how Phil played, where it was just like, oh, like almost like like four 70s in a row, just like very quiet. But at any time, any time, one of those 70s could have turned into a 66 and then it's game over. But, um, what was your thoughts on the final pairing? I mean, Brooks, it's not that he didn't show up. I mean, I, I, I watched a little bit. And he, he just played some craptacular golf. I mean, I, I don't know how to, what to equate it to. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a very interesting final pairing, right? I think anything with Phil leading after 54 holes, you know, whoever he was paired with would have been interesting. Uh, but Brooks especially – just known as kind of like that, that major killer, right? The guy that goes out, you know, majors are his jam. He seems to always be in contention as long as he's healthy. And it started very oddly. Um, Phil bogeying the first, uh, Kepka birdieing the first. So two shot swing. So then Kepka takes the lead, but then just some odd miss, you know, course management. Uh, so Brooks Kepka, he doubles the second par five. He, he played the par fives awful just awful on if Sunday. If he played him, played him any better, he would have, the tournament would have been his or he would have been in a playoff. Yeah, and then, so, he, looking at the scorecard, so, Phil had one par 
through seven holes. And he, so he went bogey, birdie, bogey, par, birdie, bogey, birdie. So he's all over the map. This, this basically, if they're playing like a two man best ball, they would have been just peachy. They were ham and eggy. And things like uh, the two guys I just report was brilliant. One of them was that 67 that you saw that that guy who shot at Old Mac. Mm-hmm. While he was in the middle of shooting his 67 single handedly, his partner was birding like three other holes. He wasn't birding. Like he birdied 15 yeah. at Old birdied 16 at Old Mac. I mean, these guys were on fire. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. And that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like an almost match play. And it was back and forth, back and forth. Um, Phil, obviously, on the par five fifth, he, he chips in, or sorry, uh, you know, makes his sand shot uh, and then follows that up with kind of like a sloppy bogey on six and then comes back and birdies the par five, uh, six or sorry, seventh hole. When again, Brooks just kind of butchered it. I uh, ended up going for it in two from way out like 280 or 90 yards almost, um, you know, oh, yeah. hit it, hit it short, right. In the one spot, you really can't miss it. Uh, basically just, just butcher things and played himself out of it on the par fives alone. Um, but the overall leaderboard, just like last time, 2012, very, very international heavy. Oh yeah. Top 10 is just full of different internationals, uh, pretty much the globe well-represented here. Uh, I didn't know if it was a, a Ryder Cup year or a President's Cup year. It looked like basically, you know, who's who of this team and that team, but it was very interesting, to say the least. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but I mean, if you look at, you know, like, and I'll include Canada with America in this, because I don't know what your typical style of golf is up there, because, I mean, when you get good weather, it seems pretty temperate and normal. But isn't America, like, the least windy place to play golf in the world? I mean, you got the British Isles. Oh, God. South Africa. Well, I can only speak for it. I mean, but it seems pretty tough. Australia. Oh, my Christ. I mean, and then, and then, then Asia. That's a whole other ball of wax that I, I can't even get into because it almost feels like different kind of golf. But I mean, I just don't know it. But I mean, mm-hmm. American like the most like Parkland cultivated, curated, you know, cookie cutter. Blah, blah, you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, I used to love For that sure. style. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. And so looking at the leaderboard, right, you've got uh, obviously Louis did not deliver again on Sunday, uh, unfortunately. But uh, he, and, uh, he, he's going to lose his UPS contract. Are you kidding me? The poor guy. And this is coming from a guy who just like almost caused a scene at his post office in town the other day. Oh my God. I could, I would kill to take up the UPS mantle. Louie, come on. And it was very interesting. You had a couple of great rounds out. So you had Padraig Harrington uh, finishing T4, which was again, mind boggling, right? You had the Ooh. longest scores in, in major championship history. You had he's a 50 year old winning and he's Ryder Cup captain, also our other Ryder Cup captain, uh, doing pretty well, right? Steve Stricker uh, was, I, I, I know he wasn't up there, but I mean, he was alive, right? Yeah. Uh, Shane Lowry, Paul Casey, Abe Answer, uh, Justin Rose, sorry, ended up T8. Um, John Rahm. Oh, with, with single handedly, Justin Rose backdoor to top 10 with just showing up on Sunday. I mean, good for him. True. True. Uh, but Abe Answer <laughs> shooting a seven under uh, 65 on Sunday you know and you said Paul Casey and Abe answered today and you didn't bring it up a week ago those were two very good I didn't want to capitulate the Paul Casey but I had a little inkling I just had a feeling but but Mm -hmm. but then again for every Paul Casey we say there's a the the Christian Basin out there where we're just like oh the oh what I mean or your Van Ruyen's not this tournament you know what I'm saying yeah and yet Tony uh backdoor T10 and a major uh you had Ricky Fowler okay okay all right we can talk about Ricky. 
but then we'll get back to Tony and, and why you should stop. But okay, Ricky, welcome back, buddy. I, I he, he literally is playing on life support right now, but he is not. We pulled him out of the medically induced coma and he will not, we pulled him off life support and he will not die. And I like it. We're all better for it. But the thing is, I don't want the camera on him too much unless he's playing good golf. That's all. Yeah, it, it, I guess it was good to see, you know, he got a special exemption just to be there. So I guess that paid off. So he's got that going for him. So but. Tony, he got a nice little backdoor top 10. How's about this? Let's just open the bay doors and drop this podcast bomb right now. It is major championship debut. One Harold Higgs gets a nice little T4. If the names above him would have shuffled out differently, it was a T3 for a minute. But oh my God. The big beauty himself tied for fourth in his first. First of all, Smitty, I, when I went to his Wikipedia page to like uh, peruse, like seeing if he like got like cut from four majors of the eight that he could have been played in so far, nothing. In terms of his professional career, he's been he's been around. No, I'm, I'm going to get this verbiage right. He's been around for two majors. One, the Masters, no invite. Two, this tournament, T4 at Kiowa. He, to me, he's kind of like Zach Blair heavy. Like, I mean, like Harry Higgs is like, uh, is, is, like Zach Blair is like Harry Higgs light, but we know Zach Blair first. But I mean, Harry Higgs goes out there and, and I don't want him. I was saying this to people earlier. I don't want him to be America's Andrew Johnston. I don't want him to be a flavor of the week for 365 days. And the next thing we know, oh yeah, he's kind of puttering around on some tour, but that's it. You're shaking your head a bunch. Why? He's a fully grown, likable Jason Duffner. Duffner's likable. Duffner's hella likable. Anyone who knows I, I mean, Duffner's I mean, like out, outgoing. Oh, though. Bad. He, bad. No, pers- person, no personable as in like outgoing, right? Like Duffner's not very outgoing. He's he's very okay. I, I see that because Higgs. It's funny. The only time we see Higgs on TV is when he's golfing good. Which, to be fair, he's not in that many tournaments in contention, so that part is not that often. But he's one of those guys where once every three or four months maybe for this PIP thing that's coming up, whatever he does produce some like Twitter gold or social media dynamite that is just perfect. But at the same time, it's just like, this is like seeing stuff from Henrik Stenson where it's like, Oh, I know you're funny. God damn it. Why don't you do stuff weekly or daily? I'm not saying be a social media whore, but it's like, you're clearly funny. You're really, mm-hmm. really. Funny. And Oh, which by the way, I wanted to go back to something about um, uh, Phil and Brooks. I thought it was going to be a great back, uh, uh, a great duel much like uh, Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson for the open championship uh, years ago, folks, if you still remember me from an old podcast, or I don't know if I mentioned this on the, on this podcast years ago, that was when I was staying in Hawaii for a week and I woke up at like seven 55 in the morning, Hawaii time on Sunday morning to be like, ah, let's just kick back and watch some British open golf. You know, it's the last round and Oh, look, they're shaking hands. I wonder what happened. And it was the Stenson Mickelson final the thing I want from the most in the major smitty, if it, if it would be perfect to me is it goes down to the final group and those guys, whether they're playing good or not, it just goes down to them. Like maybe the rest of the field fell away and they're both duking out to shoot 71 and 72 to win. But it would be nice if instead of Greg Norman yakety sacks ended up against Nick Faldo, what if he played a good round two, you know, just to see two guys shoot 66 in the final pairing, just to see them go back and forth. I was kind of hoping that with Brooks and Phil, much like the uh, Phil, uh, Stenson thing but anyway sorry to tie that back into the social media thing Harry Higgs is he's a delight I mean he is easily on I have it written on another notepad in the other room like on my Mount Rushmore golf swagger it goes like Harry mm-hmm. it goes John Daly Anthony Kim Seve Ballesteros Tiger Woods Harry Higgs and I think I got like Walter Hagen on there those are my six 
And Fred Couples. You got to throw Freddie in there for swagger. Fred, Fred is fringing or because cool. he, that's, is he just cool. That's the thing. That's the thing. See, Fred wouldn't want to be. Fred's kind of like DJ. He wouldn't want to be one of those guys where it's just like, oh, I was voted most attractive on tour. Huh, shucks. I don't give a shit or whatever. Something like that. Fred Couples knows he's cool, but he, he's like Tommy Armour the third. He did, but he, but he's just going to let his wardrobe and his fifteen hundred dollars slack speak for himself. And to be fair, the one thing I have against Fred Couples so much because I was thinking about this the other day. If I I really, really thought about this, with the exception of the over-to-the-top move, if I can compare my golf game or swing to anybody, it's Fred Couples, because I just have a long, smooth, all-transition back-down swing. It just doesn't go over the top. But the motherfucker only has one major, for crying out loud. And I don't want to say it was a lucky major, but his ball didn't roll into Ray's Creek, the only ball never to, so the gods were on his side that day for his one major, which was the same year that Tom Kite got his one major. 92 was a weird year. It was, it was, but yeah, it, you know, just to get back to Harry Higgs here for one more thing. He was yes. bogey. He was bogey free on Sunday, it, which is phenomenal. I mean, what, what he shot, what he shoot? 70, uh, 70, two under 70. Oh, 70. Okay. Which is not for nothing. Like I said, to start off today, seen Abe answers, well, Justin Rose's score, then Abe answers score. And just not saying like a bunch of people are fringing up, but just seeing a couple of qualified guys do that. I started thinking, well, who's to say, I mean, that's why Higgs got everything he deserves. I don't want to talk about him too much because I don't want this to be like Harry Higgs watch now. Cause this, yeah, maybe if he goes and wins two majors in the next two years, then yes, we will be talking about how this was the start of all of it. But I mean, he is such a, for being such a beautiful man and so amazing and perfect. And with his like hamburger beef, like popping out of the little beef curls, popping out of the chair. He embodies to me, like what you're like, municipal club pro would be or the best player at your municipal track i mean just that guy who's just kind of like hey does anyone see my shades i'll just wear these today or, or it's just like hey somebody give me a double john daly you know it's like oh you got me single ah it's okay it's just like he's just one of those guys where i mean and then when he hits the ball he just wallops the piss out of it i've known dozens of guys like harry hicks it's cool to see somebody on tour and, and it's not even like he's being a big kid he's just being himself and himself isn't really that much it's just that's why i keep using the word beautiful it's just it's amazing so uh anyone else you want to talk about on the leaderboard we've been uh some fat here before we get into uh some real fun to talk about <laughs> uh yeah just you know like we said a very mixed leaderboard um I, you know phil we i i kind of mentioned he it, it wasn't like he was hanging on it it, it uh, well it's abundantly clear he was hitting it well, extremely well, leading T to green um, all week. So it, an extremely impressive, you know, take take the 50 years old out of play and, and you kind of think, wow, you know what? Like, you know, he's driving it so well um, for Phil. You know, irons have always been a, a decent strength and obviously his short game is, is still top, top notch. But then you add in 50 years of age and, and the oldest major champion ever to date at the longest golf course ever. Um, it, it was just a, it was a performance for the ages and we were lucky to be able to what, to watch it. Sure. I, I really appreciate all the comparisons online to like, I mean, that it's not quite it, but it's like Jack 86 tiger 2019 at Augusta. Old Tom Morris, 1858. Oh, sure. I missed that list. Uh, but, uh, but uh, Phil, 2021 uh, at Kiowa, brilliant. Yeah, it's right up there. The thing I'm trying to say about like how I've ignored the age thing is, like I said, like if he thinks he can compete, he will. 
that, that that was always my argument why he would never play in the Champions Tour, and he did. He's going to make money. He's going to dominate. He did. But here's case in point. He won on the Champions Tour and then won on the motherfucking PGA Tour or, or a major championship. That is significantly like salient back to what I'm saying, how it's like, no, this guy can compete. He is not, I do not factor in his age. 50 is different these days. Look at Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. There's all these other examples, but I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of all these other golfers, like right when they turned 50 and joined the senior tour, could they have walked out and won any major championship? No, I'm thinking of your Jim Furyk, Lauren Roberts. No, Bernard Longer, ooh, tough. Fred Couples, probably not. I mean, I who else do you think? John Daly, he turned 50 recently. I mean, maybe Ernie Els, maybe if he can keep his shit together and stay sober long enough for, for four days or whatever. But who else do you think at age 50 that's not named Eldrick Woods or Phil Mickelson, who do you think at age 50 could win a major? It's those two guys. And, and somebody did say online, I forget who it was, but this definitely sets the bar for Tiger to be like, oh, you get your leg back in one piece and then you put that little that little Polaroid of Phil with his thumbs up on the wall and you stare at it every day while you do push-ups and you punch the wall and you like get sweat all over the mirror and everything. I mean, that's, that could be the motivator for Tiger if he needs one. He doesn't. But I mean, this is, this is, this is significantly awesome in its own regard, Phil winning. So, Yeah, like the only thing I can really look at, you know, you, you brought up a good point, like who's over 50 right now that, that could contend moving forward. Um, You've got a couple of shorter U.S. Open venues coming up. So you got the Country Club, uh, Brookline, Mass, uh, 2022 next year. You've got L.A. Country Club. Shout out L.A. Country Club, North Course, in 2023. So love you guys. Of, I love you, Jack Dell. Oh, my God. So a, cu- the best. a couple of shorter venues coming up. So, you know, if it's a shorter, if it's firm, it, you know, wedge play and and short game probably are going to be at a premium as per most U.S. Opens. I'd have to say maybe a guy like Mike Weir. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, my God. I had not had anything Mike Weir chambered at all. I wasn't even going to try to get your goat. You just hit me with a change up on the butt and I'm sitting around going like, did he that, did that guy just hit you, me? I, you, I, you, <laughs> you just fell over after striking out on that change up. You. It was, uh, yeah, I literally, then I, and then I claimed a flop, like it hit me in the ankle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh my to be honest, God. I, I, I don't know who's, whose game sets up better, you know? It, oh, shut it, up. You're not being serious. Are you? No, no. I mean, I mean, Phil, Jesus oh. has like a, a 50 plus, <laughs> like a guy that, that has, has invested, you know, time and effort into his body, um, you know, losing weight and working out, things like that. Uh, you know, driving the golf ball long and straight world-class short game. Like, I think he's the only one, the only one that po- pops to mind that would be able to contend. And and at the Masters as well. So it's not like it's a, a one-trick pony here. All right. Okay. <laughs> one last thing on Phil and the PGA Championship before we get to some other questions that are regarding Phil and the future of majors. They're Twitter-related, and so is the video that we want to discuss. But uh, um, I was thinking about this actually – when Phil like kind of grabbed the reins on Friday, mm-hmm. I remember a time and place, even back when he was a first time major champion in 2004 at Augusta, Phil was notorious for having a really great short game, but choking really bad, like missing two or three foot putts. Like when it mm-hmm. came down to the wire, the famous wing foot incident in what was I, we, wing foot, the U S open, I forget the year, but I mean, everyone else. Knows 2004, right. 2006, sorry. Mm, well hold on no i remember it was what he need he needed the u.s open to like complete the grand slam already and yeah okay. well no I, not not the grand slam but 
because well, he was, didn't win the okay, British Open until 2012. Everyone knows, everyone knows what we're talking about. On the 72nd hole, the U.S. Open at, at wing foot, he had a like two-stroke lead or a one-stroke lead and like went up like double bogeying, like spacked it off the tee, et cetera, so forth. But what I'm saying is, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> he, he was he was always prone to missing short putts. Well, so oh, okay, thank you. I was a little nervous, like hearing Phil was the 36 hole leader or right there, because part of me was just like, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's like seeing Tommy Fleetwood winning after the weekend. Then he's going to go bye-bye. He's going to flare out, whatever. That's cute. But Phil, no, I'm not saying he's a tempered veteran, which who else is in the field? But long gone are the days where Phil chokes, where Phil, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like he's got the incredible flop shot, but it doesn't always work for him. 90% of the time it does, and he's brilliant, but the other times it doesn't. Also, mind you, we're four or five years removed from a guy who swatted his ball back and forth around on the U.S. Open green, like in the middle of regulation play. And this guy's still right. allowed to. This guy's still allowed to play majors and win majors. Hello, folks. You want to bitch about something? Talk about that, okay? Mm-hmm. But we're not. We how quickly we forget, and how quickly Bill Cosby will be back to performing once COVID's over. But needless to say, I really felt to myself that Phil. This is before he won the tournament. It was kind of while he was winning it. Phil is most certainly, God forbid, at age 50, a professional golfer you can rely on. I mean, maybe if he can play a couple more Ryder Cups and have like a nice tidy little record as a good teammate or maybe as a performer. Because like I said, this, Phil's PGA 2021 is Tiger's uh, Masters 2019. That could have been a swan song. We don't know. We don't. Mm-hmm. We would like to think it's not, but who's to say? In the, in the law of aggregates and the law of averages and physics and age and the universe and everything it's not probable that's why jack's uh win in 86 at augusta was so amazing uh for every single pound that it was so let's uh i want to save well okay you know what we'll talk about the video right now because that leads to uh a few good rapid fire twitter questions that we had from uh she's not a listener if she is a listener thank you savannah but um she's a, a nice person and a good friend and a good fan in any regard good supporter We'll get to all her questions in a moment, but because she actually is the one I asked for questions and out of the five I got, she gave me four. <clears throat> there was a video that surfaced. Whether it was, I, I think I came across this Smitty like Monday night or something, and then it really caught fire. Truth be told, how I, it, it, was, it was the best definition of how something goes viral. When I found the video from this guy named Ryan, whoever, and then eventually, like, we saw that the content was suspended for whatever from this user. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, because you have nothing in your Twitter bio and you don't work anywhere. So, oh, like, what, you wanted to get a slice and you took the video off, whatever. But I happened to just see this video. It was an incredible video. I watched it 10 times. And after somebody else watched it 20 times, they clued me into some other funny stuff on the video that makes the layers of the onion get deeper and deeper. But I'll, I'll have you set it up in a second. But how I discovered it was on Monday night, I found this amazing video of Brooks Kepka. I'm assuming getting interviewed after his last round because it had to be fairly fresh. This was Monday. The PGA Championship ended on a Sunday. This video was so gold. I'm really surprised it didn't surface Sunday night. Whatever. But needless to say, I happened to get the video. I retweeted it saying, this is gold. I'm out of breath. It's so funny. My retweet got like 50 likes on its own and a ton of views. I mean, just whatever. And I was just, and then right after eight minutes after I did it, 80 other people were recircling it like big, like people with check marks behind their name on Twitter, all this stuff. Everyone saved the video. We loved it. And then all of a sudden the video went away. That's not really the big deal. 
part of me makes it makes me wonder if it was real at all. I know it is. I mean, at least in, in terms of Brooks Kepka and Todd Lewis, who is a new god in my country with that face that he made that somebody still screened. But Smitty, can you please, in the best of your Johnny Miller commentating sense, can you please break down what happened in this video that made everyone lose their poop the other day? So it, it is a now infamous video, of course. Uh, Brooks doing a post-round interview, and uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's after Saturday's round. It's, it's round three. It, he, so he's finished his third round. Um, it is a taped Golf Channel interview for the you know, Golf Live show, whatever's on, uh, on the Golf Channel. And I, I forget the reporter's name, but, uh, you know, he does all the, the post-game interviews with the players. I think it's, Todd, it's Todd Lewis. That's what they were saying. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he kind of asked Brooks, you know, you know, other players were scoring out there today. You know, did you find any difficulties? And, and Brooks goes into putting and he starts talking about, you know, it was difficult. Just Everything's, uh, normal. Everything's normal at this point. Yeah, with the wind, and he's and he's and he's giving a really good because Brooks really can be snarky, or or really open and really you know give you some insight. And he was he was giving some insight, and you could hear, you know, some some footsteps go by. And it, for the people, uh, God rest their souls, that, that God bless their souls, that don't know the sound of metal spikes, it's glorious oh. sound. Oh, God rest their souls too. <laughs> no, you yeah. said that right. <laughs> metal, metal, metal spikes on concrete. Maybe the the most I don't know, like soothing sound. I think it'd be a polarizing sound. Anyways, it's Bryson walking by, and apparently Bryson starts throwing a comment at Bright at Brooks, saying you know, kind of if, under if his inter- breath. If, if I can interject, mm-hmm. my version of the video that I, well, not my version. What I saw was um. It, we heard Bryson talking, but I couldn't distinguish anything that he said. And then one of my Twitter followers said something to me about like, I think Brooke, uh, Bryson was talking to Brooks about like how you could hit your putts better. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah. So that's exactly what he's doing. He said something about, uh, it's not hard when you, when you have the right start line or something like that. <laughs> and it completely Wait, hey, throws. Shout out, shout out to Brooks. I mean, I'm shout out to Bryson. Cause this caddy is a band of news caddy. So, we know our reads, baby. We know our lines. <laughs> so, so immediately, basically, and this is like a, a, a taped interview. Um, obviously, clearly wasn't meant to be released, but like Brooks rolls his eyes. He basically, well, before, this, before this, to set it up a little bit, as we can, we hear people walking back and forth. You see workers working. But then all of a sudden, before you realize anything's wrong, if you're watching it for the first time, you see Brooks kind of like sigh. And close mm-hmm. his eyes, look down, and just give this whole like, oh God. And then Bryson walks behind him, muttering whatever he muttered. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is funny because you can really see him. <laughs> yeah. And and it just and then Brooks is basically like, it's completely, like completely loses his train of thought. He goes like basically drops expletive, like, God damn it, oh. I lost my train of thought. Like, what, but, what was but, I talking but, about? I, it, these weren't the exact quotes, but it was something about like how he sat there, he said, like he sighed. So, because when Bryson walked by, just because, to be fair, anyone who knows the video knows this much, I think Brooks had every right to run back and rock bottom him or punch him out just in terms of like, well, that would be the next step in the altercation if you're really that upset, which yep. to somebody's question, I don't think the feud is fake. I think they, they're really annoyed coworkers of each other, but he, he sighed, Bryson walked by, I'm not, I'm not stepping on your story, we're doing it together now. He walked by, muttered something, and Brooks kind of like maintained his eye roll 
and it's like kind of sigh and then he started again saying oh yeah but basically you know if you need to when, when you're looking at the and then he just kind of stopped and went sorry that i just heard that bullshit and i lost my train of thought and then he like kind of stepped back and then and then he like and, and instead of and instead of saying and he, sorry and he, uh, insert expletive there no he said he said like oh fucking christ that's what he said yeah. and, then, yeah. and then as they're zooming out like he even says like we can't use this for golf channel or something and todd lewis somebody got the got the screen of todd's face where he he looks like okay so have you seen the movie god Semi-Pool? god bless god bless uh i haven't seen it but god bless todd lewis's soul because his reaction was gold he starts like uncontrollably <laughs> laughing in brooks's face has to like turn away from brooks it's and the then mug he, of all mugs <laughs> oh yeah and then he mutters he's like oh the boys in the truck are gonna love this clip Meanwhile, little did we know, 24 hours later, it got, or 48 hours later, if it was after Saturday's round, it gets released to the entire world. And Twitter oh is lit ablaze. Anyone who knows what I'm talking about, Twitter, a couple of Twitter fans, and I hope they're listeners of the podcast as well. In the movie Semi Pro, it's a Will Ferrell uh, romp. It's funny. You should watch it. I know there's a lot of movies I tell you to watch, but this is a good one to watch because it's, it's just like Talladega Nights, but basketball theme. And I always tell people, it's a pretty accurate documentary of the ABA NBA merger, but didn't just throw in a made up team with Will Ferrell running it. I mean, so, and then, then hilarity ensues. So one of the characters is a real basketball player or he's a serious character played by Woody Harrelson. And he moves back to Flint where the team is from. And he winds up like getting back together with his old girlfriend and banging her. Meanwhile, she's married to this other guy. And this guy is Woody Harrelson's number one fan. Like he wears his jersey all the time. He's always like seeing him. He's like, Monix, what's up, buddy? Like when he's coming over to bang his wife, he's just like, hey, buddy, what's up, man? Even though he doesn't think that's going to happen. But there's one moment where Woody Harrelson convinces him to leave, to go get like a big tub of like a Bengay or something out, out of like some Costco out on Route 60, like something way down the road. Like go, go down to Luger's. I need a big tub. You know, the one that's 45 minutes away. He's like, you got it, buddy. And he's leaving. Woody Harrelson winds up banging this girl as they're having sex on the couch. He comes back into the house. He's like, he's like, Lynn, I forgot my wallet. And he sees them doing it and they don't hear him. And he like starts sliding in, just getting like, like he starts like, like having fun with himself. Cause he's just like, as soon as he sees him, he goes, yes. Cause his favorite basketball player all time is having sex with his wife. And he's into it. Cause he loves him more than her, so to speak, but not, in, but seriously, not in a weird way other than that. So anyways, long story boring. When they catch him touching himself, watching them, when Woody Harrelson gets up, and the music scratches on the record he pulls when he goes to pull his pants up he grabs a picture on the coffee table and covers his junk with it and it's a picture of rob cordry making the same face todd lewis is but it's covering his junk like 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 that (laughs) so when i saw todd lewis's face that's all i thought was that's the greatest face since because every time i watch this scene i'm on the floor in the movie like i just i know it's coming and i'm just kind of like wait for the picture because first of all who'd have that picture on their coffee table second of all (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that was a little uh, derivative there. So the video essentially was that. That was Brooks versus Bryson. And that gets us into some fun stuff on Twitter that people have asked me, but I've also kind of been thinking of myself. This comes from Savannah Lee at SL. She's a really good writer, um, sports writer for a lot of collegiate and local sports teams in uh, Georgia. I don't want to say exactly where because I don't know all my cities and municipalities and areas of Georgia. I know Atlanta's big, but I mean, Brunswick could be far away away. I'm sorry, Savannah. Like I said, I don't know if you're listening. Probably not. But here's the first question she had. Is this Brooks-Bryson feud real? Which I think I, I would say we can't call it a feud. It's like, it's like the Patrick Reed thing. 
he's he might be a shitty coworker, but he's not bothering his other coworkers, so they're not going to admonish him or whatever, or, or like expose him. So who cares? But here's the next part of that question: Who would win in a fight, Brooks or Bryson? Smitty, I got an answer. You go first. Brooks, hands down. You got any more to say about that? Come on. Bryson, I believe, is an only child. <laughs> that's a good, that's funny oh my god we, we all know we all know i i have been looking trust me i i can't find any mention of of there's mention of his family of course but none of also, any siblings also frig off i'm an only child keep going well brooks has a little brother right chase so oh, yeah. i know i know for sure that brooks has had to beat the crap out of his little brother and his little brother has probably socked him right in the face i can almost guarantee the way bryson acts sometimes he's never been punched in the face not once okay and according to mike tyson one of the greatest quotes of all time everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face i was going to say brooks as well but to show you how good a debater i am i'm going to counterpoint your point and i'm going to be on bryson's side because with the way that guy analyzes stuff and how smart he is, hopefully he doesn't take too long. When he's looking at Brooks and they're about to throw down, he's looking at Brooks like the Terminator. And he's like sizing up like his wrists, his hands. Like he's like, he's, you know what I'm talking about? Like he's got like the little mm-hmm. like crosshairs going in on his head going like, well, what's his temperature? Is he looking this way? Is he looking that way? Is he bluffing? You know, oh, he's perspiring a little bit. We haven't done anything yet. You know, I mean, maybe he's, winded. you know, what do you have for breakfast? Look at the stomach. Okay. Oh, he had sausage. Oh, that's going to slow him down. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? I do think Brooks would win in a fight just because. No, I mean, that's the thing I like about Brooks is for as much shit as he talks, I feel like not to say that's what qualifies him or qualifies him as a golfer or professional amongst his peers and not saying you have to be a man on tour, but he really strikes me as a, oh no, this is what I think. And if you don't like it, shut the fuck up or get along with me. And if you want to arm wrestle about it or fight about it, fine. But in the meantime, I'm re-golfing. I'll see you on the tee. I mean, I really like that. Bryson, for all that he's opposite and different in, that in this one category would be his downfall or whatever. I still enjoy Bryson. This is a, this is a fun mm-hmm. little joke to be like, like Bryson definitely, I think Brooks is taller and I always go with the reach, but Bryson definitely knows his way around the rig room. As we saw him uh, lifting those, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I, lo- I lose the major championship. Let's sweat it out. Muscle milk, protein, energy bars. What? You know what I'm talking about? So. Yeah. I, I think Brooks would just, sock him right in the face first and he'd be down for the count if it got down to it though if we're comparing physical specimen versus physical specimen i think kind of like you said in the brother sense i think brooks if he had to not saying he would need to he would fight dirty but not necessarily in the cheating sense i think he would just be scrappier than bryson bryson's that guy who like if bryson wanted to become an mma fighter tomorrow he would study the shit out of it figure out the like the proper holds the proper moves and go about it whereas brooks would get in the cage and be like oh god what do i gotta do right now okay let's go get him oh, oh let's do this i mean oh, oh, oh i'm bigger than him or whatever i mean so stuff like that so now we have uh well three more questions they're pretty quick pretty fun can mickelson this is from savannah still can mickelson stay hot and win at tory pines Smitty, if he hadn't have won at Kiowa, would we even be like, would that even be a question? We were talking about him getting the exemption. He did move to Florida, even though they say from Rancho Santa Fe, California, Philip Mickelson. He, so evidently that's what his like birth certificate says or whatever, or I mean, and what have you. But ultimately, I, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Do you have any way to find out Phil's track record at Tory? Because I think that would be the most telling thing of all. If you could find, not necessarily... I'm not saying if you Google so many words like, oh, what are Phil's scorecards every year he's played in the Farmers? 
or whenever they had an event there or whatever. But I mean, it is his backyard. I've watched him play there personally lots of times. He's comfortable. That course, if he just won at Kiowa, where can't he win when it comes to length being a problem? Hello? I mean, and, and, and how far are we from the U.S. Open? One month or less? I mean, come on. How far are we? Another question. <laughs> uh, we are less than a month now. So Father's Day weekend, I believe, is uh, June 16th to 20th-ish. Okay, perfect. So that means, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I should have known that. That's when I'm going to be down in San Diego trying to watch the U.S. Open live. But we'll, I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on that. But ultimately, um, th- there's, there's really... <laughs> Oh God, the same reasons why I'd pick like Spieth or maybe some other guys would be the same reasons why I'd pick Phil to win at Tory. I mean, kind of that blended in. I mean, what do you think about Phil at Tory, Smitty? This is I, this is not gonna be this is probably gonna be tied into our pre-US Open preview because he is the last major winner and he is Phil Mickelson and all the stuff we talked about before he won the PGA. But in your in your heart of hearts, I mean, just give me a quick spiel on like Phil right now at Tory. So he's won three times there. He's also won a couple of uh, world junior amateurs or the world junior, whatever, junior worlds. Uh, I think it really boils down to his driving at Torrey Pines. If he has a great driving week like he did this week, uh, Torrey Pines, as we know, you know, longer, narrower setup. It's going to be set up for the U.S. Open. If he drives it half decently and in control like he did this week, hitting hellacious seeds and bombs right down the middle, um, I think he can contend. Yes. Uh, do I think he's a favorite? I think he's going to be a betting favorite, but you know, back-to-back majors, right. It, that's hard to do, especially given age, but Hey, if he does the exact same thing he did this week in control, driving a great short games, you know, fill specialty. I don't see why he can't compete. If you get, if you do well off the tee, regardless of what club you hit, you're going to do well. Mm-hmm. It, all those people, I hate to say, all those people who want to set themselves up for yardage, get over it. You need to get as close to your target with one swing as you can efficiently. Don't don't swing out of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's for Coach's Corner another week. But um, ultimately, um, something I want to mention that uh, I don't know if you were aware of this. Did you know the longest drives of the week and who had them? Yeah, I, Phil Mickelson. I do believe Phil Mickelson at 366 had the longest drive of the week, and Brooks Kepka was right behind him at 363. Not for nothing. They're paired together in the final round. But I mean, that that's what scares me about Phil's game is because it's like on one hand, I look at his swing going like, what in the hell? But then it's like if he if he knows what he's doing, and he's on fire. That that's the epitome of like, you know, golfing the ball around good, right? So <clears throat> Savannah, we're gonna have to probably work on that a little bit more in the next few weeks. Who's to say Phil doesn't take time off? He's too busy tweeting and having fun and sipping wine and Phil being Phil. Uh here's a good question though. Thoughts on the crowd? at 18 on Sunday. Smitty, I'm going to firmly grab this ball, pivot, bounce once, grab it with both hands to my chest, and pump it back to you in a chest pass because I did not watch this one part. I only saw all the pictures. People are doing that Tiger comparison, which is great. Thank God we live in a day and age where anyone can, you know, this isn't Photoshopped. I'm just saying we all have cameras and we all know how to like, you know, screenshot and like, you know, save and crop stuff to like make it look oh which by the way how about that picture of phil standing like in the in the like standing there looking like superman do you see that picture yes i can't i want an oil painting of that like right now i mean like 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 kramer oil painting yeah, i was like, about to say like the kramer or the george costanza on the couch well that's that's a tough picture because it's horizontal and yeah, horizontal posters and paintings are tough but the the standard vertical whatever the phil just staying there looking like it was a good look but i mean you know what i'm talking about what i can compare it to is they had the whole tiger with the crowd behind him look. They had the Phil with the crowd behind him look. 
I hate to say it, if I'm not watching, I don't know if they're walking through the crowd in this day and age of security. I wouldn't assume that they're anywhere near anyone who could touch them, but who knows? Can you fill us in if you're somebody like me, Smitty, who didn't get to see what the crowd was like on 18 on Sunday at Kiowa? Yeah, for sure. So uh, off the tee, so Phil hit um, kind of like a high wipey cut. It was downwind, so he still hit it a good, decent distance, but he had about 175 yards and he hit it down right down the left-hand um, crowd line, basically. And then what happened was Brooks kind of cut the, the corner, flew the bunkers, and he kicked down. He had, the, he had like a gap wedge in. He had like 120 yards. So there's quite a gap between the two of them. So Phil hits a second shot on the green to about 15 feet. The crowd's going nuts. And almost like the British Open where the fans start following up on the fairway behind them. People also, just... also, real quick, though, in COVID and these times where like places are starting to open or whatever, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see, God forbid, how the numbers work in terms of like the illness or whatever. But it was kind of like a return back to like, hey, look, there's a gallery. Hey, look at all these people. It's I don't want to say it's a return back to normal so long as normal is safe. It did feel mm-hmm. good. For sure. It, it was great to see. Um, and, you know, you have to throw some responsibility on the PGA here, uh, the PGA of America and their organization that uh, for charging $16 for Michelob Ultras, they couldn't afford a simple rope to help manage the crowds. And that those was kind of alarming. Line items, those are different companies. Those are different. Come on, come on. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm just saying. You had, thankfully, they had enough security people. But by this point, people were basically just running in, right under under the ropes. Um, had completely surrounded uh, Phil at this point, and Phil was basically just trying to walk up and then stop for Brooks to hit his second shot. So as soon as Brooks hits his second shot, now the crowd has fully encompassed Phil, his caddy and Brooks and Brooks of course has the bad knee and he did mention in his post round interview the first thing that popped into my mind is okay you know when you're in a big crowd like at a a sporting event leaving or whatever it might be or maybe you're a concert goer and you like to be right in front of the stage people are going to bump into you you're going to step on somebody's foot You, you might even get in this you know obviously age is is getting trampled by someone especially a bunch of drunk American Yahoo golf fans you know when you see Fair. it at the open, when, when you when you see it at the open championship, you know everybody's so respectful. You know they they tend to keep their distance. Uh, security has a rope, this thing to kind of corral people back and, and create this, this type thing, of barrier. This thing, un, this thing un, that's un, been around for just a hundred years. This thing called a hundred, like a thousand. Uh, anyways, basically it was a complete shit show. Um, you know, you almost felt bad for Phil in the fact that he didn't get to enjoy that walk up he just hit a phenomenal shot out of the left rough to about 15 20 feet on the final hole to basically wrap up a major and he really didn't get to enjoy it in the sense of soaking it up you know maybe looking for his his team in in the crowd um letting brooks obviously you know he's still playing as well trying to make a good paycheck uh but yeah it, it was cool to see. It was good to see the fans back. We can live without the mashed potatoes. We can uh, live without the guy that tried to jump on Phil's back that probably got arrested. Uh, and we could live without them being, you know, swarming everybody. But it was it was, it was generally a cool scene. Um, unfortunately, it just got a little bit out of control. And, and they kind of had to go into panic mode at that point in time. Now, save for the guy jumping on Phil's back, a big part of me is sitting there going like, is this not old fashioned? Is this not the way golf used to be? 
And the argument I have to back that up is save for, well, granted, going to the last half dozen farmers down in San Diego, kids are just, by kids, I just mean youngsters are just looking for an excuse to get out and party and drink and have fun. This is pre-COVID. They, mm-hmm. There was a call in San Diego. It was like 25, 50 bucks to get in and then you pay for drinks. It was literally exactly like a music festival too because there's just a bunch of nice young people walking around having a good time, drinking or whatever. And half the people there were into golf. I would like to assume that when you're at a major championship, your crowd, what I like to think about every time I go to an IPA bar, you're, you're going amongst your constituents, which means like, I remember when I used to go to like these microbrews and like a friend of mine would be like, how come we're all having such a good time here? Every time we go here, I'm like, look around you. It's same. It's not the same 12 people, but everybody in here knows exactly what's here and they like it. And if you don't like it or you don't know what's here, you don't come here. So you're mm-hmm. with a group of people who enjoy it. To me, that's what golf is. It's not really the great equalizer that, 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 that unifies the classes, so to speak. It can't. You can have like that, that dirt broke kid who like, you know, rises up to be really good. Or you have the silver spoon kid who rises up to be really good. Golf is still a hobby and a sport that we can all play at any age for any price. It's not like hockey where, forgive me, and this is even speaking as a, to Canadians. You guys probably deal with it differently, but hockey in America, it sucks. You have to live in a certain area. Oh, and have it's a- expensive here. It's extreme. Okay. It's, 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 a, it's become elitist here. Absolutely. Okay. That's too bad to hear because I mean, you guys, even though lacrosse is your national sport, nobody knows it. Uh, hockey is what you guys are known for, but I mean, it's nice mm-hmm. to hear that you go through the pitfalls of rich Americans as, as well in terms of why hockey isn't grabbing down here. But ultimately yeah. there was something to the tune of going back to why I said the like-minded crowd thing and say for the guy jumping on Phil's back. And that just speaks to this new day and age of who knows who's drunk and who wants to be there to party, who to be like, like if I was there and I was next to Brooks, I'd probably be filming with my, as close as I could, but God forbid, what if I tripped him? You know, what if I tripped him and like, we'd both go down or whatever, something like that Who's to say, but there is something to the tune of, I don't, thank God it was Phil. And, and he had to be respectful to his partner because not many partners could or should put up, should put up with that. But there's something highly nostalgic and old fashioned to the whole, like, you know, it's it's kind of like um uh, what was it like the greatest game ever played where like just like when you're going off the final green like the crowd just like molds around you and forms around you and just like and then they literally put if they have one they put a rope around and that's what uh, sections off the green so 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 long as like there wasn't anyone there to like try and stab phil or assassinate him i mean and then that would be ultimately the biggest right place right time moment ever if you think about it because he has to be winning in the last group and you have to have tickets and yada 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 i don't really mind it so long as it doesn't affect the process of the tournament and what's trying to go on to finish off the tournament. The fact that it happened to Phil, the fact that he had a good shot, the fact that he won, it worked out pretty damn good in a pretty goddamn old fashioned sense. That's going to live down in the ages as far as, I don't know. I mean, American golf major championships, single-handedly that's top five, probably Mm -hmm. Jack, you got tiger for those two. And then, I like to think uh, Arnold at 1960 at Cherry Hills is pretty great, but I mean, there was lack of coverage then. Uh, TV mm-hmm. had, would come around five years after that. So, I mean, it's really, really tough to estimate it, but I think it's it's not even just the modern day and age overblowing it. I think it's pretty proper and pretty perfect. Yeah, definitely top 10, like easily top 10 and, and rank them how you like. You can probably sneak it into the top five, but, you know, pretty cool that, you know, a guy that came in, it, and to go back to uh, maybe Mr. Davis's, is it Mr. Davis from a question last week? Do we consider Phil a jabroni being at 200 to 1? Oh, that wasn't Davis. We don't have any Davis. Uh, I think it was Drury. Like Mark Davis? Drury. 
Yes, Drury. Drury. It was, Which, it was a D. Uh, yes, Mr. Drury. Shout out to Mr. Drury. I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but I saw your request go through for the 3rd to the 9th of June, and I can't wait to get it for you soon. Shout out to Mr. Drury. Um, so long as it's him. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe uh, not a jabroni is the right word, but maybe just. Uh, you know, out of left field winner. And it was good to see is, is super cool. Obviously the oldest major winner of all time with his, with his brother on the bag. Cool. And, you know, another cool story there, but uh, yeah, just a, an extremely entertaining tons of storylines. You know, we're less than a month away to the U S open here. We got a couple of filler events before then. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what's on the future here. What's in the, what's <laughs> in the horizon. Cause it's a Ryder cup year. There's that conversation going on. We'll talk more about the Ryder Cup as we get closer, um, as the rankings become, you know, more kind of cut and clear of who's in and, and who's on the bubble. But just, you know what? Golf never ceases to amaze, right? Always a surprise. And, and this week was definitely a surprise and, and well worth the uh, price of admission to watch. Absolutely. And <clears throat> sorry, Savannah, we won't get to your last question because that'll be safe for another time for an exhibition episode, perhaps uh, has to do with the next match. But it was a good question nonetheless, and we'll get to it soon. But I can't think of a better way to wrap up the show. We, we, we went a little long, but guess what? That's our new theme. You know, we try to do an hour, but we're doing hour 10, hour 20. I mean, ladies love it. Ladies we're, really, love it. we're really sorry. The ladies absolutely love it. And much like, <laughs> this is a bad segue, but much like uh, old Jack Dell from LA Country Club said, uh, Smitty, you know why we golf? Because we can't be fucking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I apologize. That does apply to our female listeners because if there are any of you out there, uh, that absolutely applies to you. You know, let's all let's all be alphas and let's open those bay doors and let's bombs away. Smitty, you got anything else you want to say? I do not, sir. I do not. <clears throat> you, you, we, we, you're not on social media or anything. You're not writing a book uh, in your lockdown phase. Uh, no, no, uh, not, not much here. Just a couple, maybe rounds of golf coming up. I need to get to the range golf games, a little rusty, but, uh, other than that, you can find me at bomb squad, Matt on the Twitter machine, uh, spark up a conversation. You never know what might come out of my keyboard or my mouth. So holla at me. And let's, and let's, let's, let's see all with me at Jerry Lou Looper on Twitter. Let's try to get Matt, uh, not not better at Twitter, but more more well versed in Twitter because I want to see some footage. Like I, more, I, I, more activated I'll, for every video you post, I'll see you a video. And you I'll want me to you. post some videos, some golf it, videos, maybe anything it, videos. It doesn't matter if we're well, mostly golf. It'd be preferable if it's centered around golf because it'd be very weird if you and I post Seinfeld videos and people are tuning into a golf show or a golf counts. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe maybe we'll uh, roast my swing version maybe next week. Both Jerry and I. How about that? My swing's already been roasted, and Max Homa, even though he's been quiet lately, I think he's gotten out of that realm. But I appreciate what you're saying. It's it's moreover, you could just uh, you could just post a video saying like, "Hey, look, if your ball's in the daisies, all you have to do is put it forward in your stance and pretend it's one of the flowers." You know, just give, give a phony tip. You're you know you're you're the coach, right? You you work for a bank and you golf when you can. You know, we, you know the most about golf that I know. Yeah, just like when Chip was a guest, maybe uh, maybe I can. Oh. Uh, Maybe we can get a hold of Chip, maybe Chip's tips, uh, bring him back, and maybe I'll get my uh, swing coach activated down here as well on the Twitter machine. I have uh, been drinking a lot of vodka tonight, and I have tomorrow off, so Chip might be um, 
uh, posting some tips tonight. Who's to say? <laughs> Ooh, well, interested to see more for sure. So find us on the Twitter machine. Uh, we're always up for a conversation for sure. So a little bit of back yeah. and forth, never hurt anybody. We know we don't have that many listeners. We know we don't have that many followers and that Venn diagram does exist, but uh, you know, Hey, if you're listening to the show right now, Five, four, three, two, one. Hit that smash like button or whatever. Subscribe, rate, review, become a member. I don't know what you're listening to. There's so many platforms, but leave a review that says this podcast stinks. But so long as it says five stars, say whatever you want to. Say, say you overpaid me. It's like, hey, I, I caddy for Jerry Lou. He sucks as a caddy. I listen to his podcast. He's even worse as a podcaster. Five stars. Just do it. It's simple as that. And it, and it, and if any of you uh, happen to see Matt on the streets or wherever, uh, you know, rip him a new one. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> All right, brother. I love you. We'll, uh, I won't end this meeting for all. I'll just end the recording. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bo uh, all bay doors open and uh, bombs away. <laughs>